For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Live from Liverpool, the Dark Paranormal, Season 13. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Dark Paranormal Season 13 Finale. I truly can't believe we're already at the final episode of Season 13, and I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining me throughout the last 10 episodes. And of course, a huge thank you to everyone who submitted an experience for the upcoming Season 14. And speaking of Season 14, when will that debut? Well, of course, we take our standard three-week break, and we will be back in the new year, January, Friday the 5th. So be sure to mark that date in your calendars, a new year, a new season, January, Friday the 5th, 2024. But before we have our break, we of course need to get through our finale. Now our finale has been on hold for a good few months for the very reason it's a festive story. And I believe in all the years we've been doing the show, we've had maybe one other festive experience. Now, this experience itself is one of those which we've had a few of this season, where, to an effect, less is more. As in, we don't have a possession. We don't have a poltergeist who wreaks havoc. No, this experience seems to be a lot more cerebral in how it affects both the people involved and you, the listener. And by that, I mean you will walk away from this episode with many questions going through your head. But one thing is for sure, and that is this family are simply not having a wonderful Christmas time. But of course, before we get to our experience for our finale, we need to thank our wonderful team members over at Patreon. When you sign up to our Patreon team, not only do you receive these episodes both ad-free and before everyone else, but you can also gain exclusive access to our Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites is a show which is released every Sunday of the year even on the downtime between seasons. Meaning over this holiday period, you don't have to miss your paranormal fix. Plus, you gain complete access to the back catalogue of Dark Bites, so if being around your family and friends isn't for you, you have well over 50 hours of Patreon-only content that you can slope away and binge through during this busy festive period. We've built our wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over at Patreon, and we'd love to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal and give yourself a little Christmas treat, just like the following wonderful new team members have. 
Teddy Mawatha, Antoinette Sperato, Nicole Kalari, Ben Waters, Alyssa, Amy Leather, Marissa M, D, Melinda Lynn, Pascal Quintero, Laura Gunn, Lauren Crummy, Paddy Barco, Katie, Laura Snyder, Christy Werner, V Foxley, Chris Daltongay, Brad Holland, Denita Kelly, JYQO, Jody, Maddie McGee, Stephen Wheel, Victoria Pinicho, Hannah Boz, Leslie Horniak, Lucy, Sarah Ross, Dwar Dwar, and Harold Taylor. Thank you so much for supporting the show, guys. It really means the world. And I hope you enjoy all the early ad-free releases. Of course, you will gain early access to the debut of Season 14. And you will get those Dark Bites episodes each and every Sunday, plus the entire back catalogue. So, if you'd like to give yourself a little Christmas treat over this festive season, head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal. But right now... It's time to lower those lights, make yourself comfortable, and most importantly, leave your disbelief at the door as we hear all about a dark Christmas. I'd firstly like to say that it's the courage of all the experiences that I've listened to over the numerous series that has given me the courage to write my own true personal experience and send it in. My name isn't Marie, but for the sake of this tale, it will be. I'd like to keep everything anonymous. You see, I'm the wife of a professional sports person in the UK, so I'm exceptionally reticent to share anything really that could identify us. My husband, let's call him Mike, is certainly well-known enough within certain areas and definitely amongst those within his sport. And the last thing he would want is to be ridiculed because of his wife's apparent flight of fancy. Although he knows full well what happened last Christmas was anything but a flight of fancy. His occupation has, at the very least, put us in a very fortunate position. I'm not blind to how lucky we are. Both of us are from working-class families, and we ensure our two children, Ellie and Sam, are both aware of how lucky they are to be brought up in a home where they don't need to share bathwater or learn to enjoy the taste of a tomato sauce butty for your lunch. Anyway, back to my experience... Christmas was always a highly stressful time for me, especially in the first few years before the kids came along. We always had a really big house, and therefore the largest table, and therefore the larger family would come round to our house for Christmas dinner, which meant Christmas Eve for me had gone from PJs and a nice film to preparing the following day's food for 15 people. Oh, and the additional five or six, who for some reason assumed it was okay to just bring along. Mike is wonderful, but I've seen so many so-called friends take advantage of him both financially and to try and further themselves through their acquaintance with him. I'm not saying he's a soft touch, but he's a soft touch. However, last Christmas, 
Mike must have picked up on my size whenever the impending Christmas was mentioned. And, God bless him, he surprised me and the kids with a small brown envelope in mid-December, telling us all to gather in the living room as he handed it to me. So, with the kids either side of me, both as eager as me to see what was inside, I opened the envelope. And wow! This year, we would be spending Christmas in a stately home. The 24th to the 27th. Us and our wider family. Not only that, the full dinner would be cooked for us. Meaning I didn't have to do a single thing. And sure, Christmas Eve would now be drinks with family instead of PJs and a film but it was definitely better than counting potatoes. This was the best gift ever. I felt I would actually be getting a Christmas for the first time since, well, before Mike. We drove slowly down the gravel path in the car. Wow. There's stately and there's stately. This was spectacular. Literal peacocks running wild. A big, wide lake just to the right. A gentleman in full country gear came down the hall steps, waving. As we left the car, he approached Mike, recognising him immediately. And seemingly over the moon, he was to be a guest at the manor. Mike lapped up this sort of thing. And then he turned to myself Ellie and Sam, introducing himself as the lord of the manor and welcoming us to his home. He showed us to our room so we could drop off our bags and then he gave us a guided tour. This place was beautiful. Tudor-esque. He explained that the oldest part of the house was over 700 years old. This left the kids gobsmacked. Wow, they said with every room they entered. After checking out their rooms, I felt a tugging on my sleeve. It was Elle. Mum, Mum, can I have a different room? Why, love, what's the matter? She shrugged. I, I just don't like it. Well, we'll see once we've sorted everyone else out, okay? I realised as I said that, I tasked myself with, in fact, no. Mike, Mike, you can sort out people's rooms as they arrive, right? I called over, and he, blind to the nightmare he was about to take on, simply smiled and gave a thumbs up. Thank you, I shouted back. Dodged a bullet there, I thought. Elegance upon elegance continued as we walked throughout the home. But then, talk about a time slip. This was arguably the most modern and amazing kitchen I'd ever been in. A huge marble kitchen island with three sinks. This led through to a 20-seater mahogany dining table with floor-to-ceiling glass windows running alongside, giving an amazing panorama across the icy countryside. 
This was beautiful. From the marble kitchen island right through to the mahogany dining table, this was quite the refurb. The only sign that you were still in a home over 700 years old was a now ornamental series of small golden bells in the kitchen just above the doorframe, each with a small plaque, sitting room, master bedroom, guest bedroom, billiard room, etc. In days gone by, of course, these would have been connected to wires, which would lead to each of the named rooms and down to a pulley, which the elite would then pull to alert a servant to the room so they could ask for something they could probably have got for themselves. Intrigued, I looked a little closer. There were no hammers in the bells, but the wall behind still had grooves from the wires from where people had pulled them over and over again. A hark back to a time gone by, said his lordship with a smile. He pointed at the grooves. It's only this small area that survived in this whole section. Probably as it was part of the doorframe, he continued. See how the billiard room cord is three times as deep as the others. That was Lord Lush, as we called him. He smiled and held his hands behind his back. Apparently, one pull and two quick pulls meant he was out of brandy. Survived? I asked. Sorry? He replied. You said that piece survived this section. Ah, he wagged a finger. Good spot. He glanced around to check we were out of earshot of the children, I guess. This, he gestured to the kitchen and the dining room. Well, this was all servants' quarters. You'll note we came down a few steps to reach here. I nodded. Well, that was originally covered by a hidden door. Down here, there was maybe one very narrow window at best. No glass in it, of course. He laughed as if acknowledging how horrid that sounded. Anyway, the rumour goes Lord Lush pulls the cord in the early hours whilst entertaining. But due to overuse, it snaps. Thinking a servant is playing a prank, the Lush drunk grabs a lamp and heads down to see what the issue is. The staff are unaware that the cord is broke and are all sleeping in their makeshift beds over there. He nodded towards the dining table. Then old Lushy appears, apparently throwing his lamp in anger towards them. The lamp smashes, and something between him and them catches fire, ever so quickly. An impenetrable wall of fire, so to speak. There are two versions of events after that. His lordship held his hands behind his back and rocked back and forth from the waist. First is the one that the family uses, he said, leaning in, which is Lord Lush tries in vain to save the servants, but is fought back by the heat, whereupon he calls all hands to the lake to form a chain of buckets to try and douse the ever-rising flames. The second, he lent in, and much more likely story, is that Lord Lush grabbed the brandy, 
close the hidden door and return to the billiard room. Leaving them to die? I asked. He shrugged. Well, whichever version is true, no one survived. Five servants in total. Awful, awful shame. There was a tugging on my arm. Again, it was L. Mum, can I move rooms yet? It's been five minutes, love, give me a chance, I said and laughed with his lordship. But the woman wants me out now? I glanced at his lordship. Is there anyone else staying with us right now? He, in a blink-and-you-miss-it way, shook his head very stern-faced, before morphing into a smile. Oh, children in their imagination, eh? Before walking off to fanboy over Mike. Do you want me to come and have a look, Elle? I asked. She nervously nodded, still holding on to my sleeve. It so happened Elle's room was just at the right at the top of the short steps near the kitchen. Now this was an original room. Although maybe it was my imagination. But I was sure I could smell smoke. Elle sat on her bed. This is lovely, Elle. Look at that view, I said, looking out of the window at the wonderful vista. The lake, the peacocks, the frost on the ground. But Elle didn't turn her head to look out the window with me. Elle, what's wrong, love? That's where she is. A chill went down my back. But there's no one there. See, look. Elle slowly turned her head. Then slowly came and held my hand. See? I said. Elle nodded, looking very precariously up at the window. I picked her up on my hip, so she could see fully out, and she immediately tucked her head into my arm. What's wrong, baby? There's nothing there. I was really panicked by her behaviour now. She stood at the lake looking in. Elle pulled her head out and peeked through the window before forcing her head back into my arms. She's walking towards us! She's walking towards us! I was obviously utterly panicked by this behaviour, and I repeated, Elle, there's no one there, but Mummy, she keeps going to the lake and then back right up to the window, cried Elle. I must admit I was terrified, but I obviously couldn't show it. I cleared my throat. <clears throat> Shall I shout at her to go away? I felt L nodding in my chest. Okay then. Go away. Leave my L alone. And I banged on the window. Is that better, love? I asked as I placed her back down. L smiled and wiped her eyes. And I smiled back. Mum, are you okay? Asked L. Seeing my face flicker... From smile to flinch to smile. I'm fine, love, I said, ruffling her hair. She seemed much calmer now. I, on the other hand, was quite the opposite. You see, as I placed her down, something dragged its nails down my back. Quick, sharp. 
His lordship was leaving as I re-entered the hall. Have a wonderful stay, he said. Then, just to me, everything okay with the little one? I smiled and nodded and said goodbye, before hastily heading to the bathroom and lifting my shirt. Two red scratches. I couldn't believe it. One was much deeper than the other, like someone had dragged a thorned rose branch across my back, literally drawing specks of blood. Thankfully, my top was black. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step-by-step step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to-do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Mike was in our master bedroom whistling and unpacking. Mike, I quivered. I think we might need to get L out of that bedroom. Now, Mike is the most rational cynic you'll ever meet. I done my best to explain what just took place in L's room as he listened in silence. I then turned and shown him my back. As I put my top back down, awaiting his conclusion, and why I expected better, I don't know, but I felt him playing with the zip on my top. That's pretty sharp, you know. I was gobsmacked. Meaning, I growled. Meaning you've been told a spooky story. Elle's freaked, because she's somewhere new, as she always is. And you've somehow scratched yourself on that zip. That's all that's happened. Now before I could call him fit to burn, Sam walked in. He's the eldest, but still only nine. The butler doesn't know what coke is, he said. 
throwing a ball and catching it. Butler, said Mike, putting his shirt on hangers. Yeah, the butler, the butler in the kitchen. He asked if I'd like a refreshment, so I said Coke, and he didn't seem to know what I meant, and then he walked away. He kept throwing the ball up in the air and catching it again. I folded my arms and stared at Mike, who, picking up on my smile, said, The staff must have just turned up early. Unless, and he pulled a mocked, frightened face, unless we've got a ghost, a ghost who, he feigned a gulp, offers people drinks. Let's just say I said two words to him and then stormed out. I went down into the kitchen where Sam was. Where was this man then? Right there. He nodded to the doorway I'd just walked through. But he seemed properly old. Like his skin was grey old. Shh, I said. Just in case Mike was right and there was a flesh and blood person within earshot. Though internally, I knew both our children had witnessed something otherworldly. The image of this old man with grey skin lingered in my mind. Sam's expression suddenly grew serious as he processed my thoughts. His eyes filled with concern, he whispered, Do you think it was a ghost? His voice barely audible. I glanced around the kitchen suddenly feeling like we were being watched. Shh, don't be silly, I lied. Dad thinks some of the helpers have arrived early. He probably sent someone to set up decorations or something. It's nothing to be scared about. It's just our imaginations playing tricks. I tried to reassure Sam. But deep down, I couldn't shake off the eerie feeling... Something was going on. We changed the topic to the guests that were still to arrive. But I couldn't help but wonder what both of my children had seen that day. They do say that children have this ability. I went into Elle's room to see how her unpacking was going. Now, although it was still light outside, she'd drew the curtains and put her light on. What's all this about? I asked. She can't look in now. Oh, I said. Well, at least she seemed calmer. The bulb in the room halved its light before blinking back on. Elle stared at me. It's just an old house, love. I once again lied to reassure me more than her. But deep down, I just could not shake this feeling. As I watched Elle continue to unpack, a cold draft swept through the room, causing another shiver to run down my spine. The flickering light, the eerie atmosphere, it all just intensified my belief something was trying to make itself known. Mike's brother's family and his parents arrived, causing Ellen and Sam to run out and meet them. Nan, Nan, we've got a butler, 
but don't ask for coke, shouted Sam as I rolled my eyes. Hi, Angela, I said, giving her a kiss. Hey, Peter, I waved at Mike's dad in his wheelchair. He's not having a good day, love, whispered Angela. You see, Peter has really bad vascular dementia and would be in and out in regards to recognition. Are okay, I said. Hello! It was Ruby, my sister, and her two teenage kids. Alf, my nephew, 15, and Cassie, 13, my niece. Ruby had recently divorced, and she was ecstatic when I told her about this year's setup, as it meant the kids would feel like Christmas was different for more than just one reason. We were driving right behind Mike's brother. It was Elle. I ran to her room and she was laying on her bed with a pillow over her face. Elle, what's wrong? With her left hand, she pointed to the foot of her bed. She's in the room. She's in the room. She muffled from under the pillow. I looked. There's no one there, Elle, I said, pulling at the pillow. Elle allowed me to move the pillow. She was stood right there, staring at me. Well, what did she look like? I asked. Well, like Grandma, but in a black long dress with a white collar. Straggly yellow hair, about to her shoulders, and she's soaking wet. I walked to the end of the bed. Well, it's bone dry here, darling. But then, in my side vision, I saw it. Two adult, wet footprints. I ushered Elle, smiling all the time, into the main room where the Christmas tree and the rest of the family were. Go and talk to Cassie. Go and have a catch-up. I grabbed Mike by the arm. We need to talk. He could tell by my tone I was serious. I led him to Elle's room and I pointed at the foot of the bed at the still remaining wet footprints. I explained what Elle described. Mike stared at the prints and then took off one of his shoes and compared the size of the feet. Well, they're definitely adult feet-like, he said. I shrugged. So what do you make of that then? Mike rubbed his chin. Maybe she should stay in our room or bunk in with Cassie. Well, at least this was an acknowledgement of sorts. Mike! Mike! Angela was stood in the doorway. You've got to come and see this. We followed her into the dining room. Peter, Mike's dad, was stood out of his wheelchair. Something he could manage, but it was exceptionally rare. And he was smiling, leaning on the table and talking to no one. He was nodding and saying, I get it, I get it. I don't even know the girl, to be honest, and nodding. We were all stood aghast. And then I noticed the giant windows were open. My niece Cassie leaning against the open frame, looking out towards the lake. She turned to me and said, Looks like R.L.'s got an invisible friend too. 
I pushed past everyone still mesmerized by Peter and stood next to Cassie looking out. And I saw Elle, her left hand raised like it was holding an adult's hand and heading for the lake. I shouted Elle, but she completely ignored me. She didn't even flinch. I started running towards her. Elle! At this point, Mike sprinted past me. Elle! He shouted, again no reaction. She was now mere feet from the lake. Thankfully, Mike was now within arms. Mike was pushed back, falling hard, like he ran into an invisible wall. Elle didn't even turn around, and she started walking into the ice-cold lake. I ran past Mike, he'd be fine, and I ran and followed her into the lake. I grabbed her by the shoulder, and she seemed to snap out of a trance. Mum? Mum, are you on fire too? She said. Well, I scooped her up and headed to the now standing and bewildered Mike. We're leaving. Mike just nodded. He was clearly confused as to how he was knocked to the floor. Back inside, everyone made a fuss of L. And whilst I was trying to figure out a suitable excuse, Mike walked in behind me and just declared, Everyone, we're going home. You can stay and enjoy all the stuff, but we're leaving right now. Now, whether it was the tone of his voice or the fact he'd paid for the whole thing, but no one challenged him. Even Angela, his mother, just nodded. So we woke on Christmas morning in our own beds. And it felt good knowing I was just going to be cooking for my family. However, one unwanted present seemed to have joined us. Because whatever became so enamoured with Elle wasn't letting go of her so easily. She said she would see her in the bathroom mirror. But when she would turn around, she was gone. The last activity we had of any sort was Valentine's Day. We had the house to ourselves and we were watching a film when something from Elle's room caused a loud noise. We knew we had the house to ourselves and Mike is very conscious that we may be burgled. So he grabbed the baseball bat he kept under the couch. Mike went up the stairs slowly and me even slower behind him. We opened Elle's door and everything was fine. We split up in her bedroom and looked around, but everything seemed in its rightful place. Then Mike called me over to the foot of Elle's bed, and there were two wet footprints. Touch wood, we've had nothing happen since, and this Christmas, I think we'll be staying at home. I'm a big fan of the show and I'd like to say thank you for providing an outlet for people like me to share these experiences that you always feel you need to keep to yourself, lest you be thought insane. Many thanks, Marie. 
Well, thank you, Marie, for providing us with an amazing, festive finale for season 13. And thank you for your patience, too, because that's been sat there for a good few months, and I thought it was suitable, seeing as it is now the last episode in December. And what an experience to end this season on. My partner used to have a flat which was a former servant's quarters. And whenever you would go into it, it instantly felt like you were surrounded by people. Like that feeling you get if you enter, for example, a busy kitchen, and you shouldn't be there, and you're constantly moving out of people's way, feeling really embarrassed. Well, it was that feeling, but it was only her and I in the entire apartment. It appears that some old places have memories, and some of them appear to be sentient, which is absolutely terrifying. I'd like to thank each and every one of you, not just for joining me on season 13, but joining me for the duration of 2023. I will next be back on January the 5th, 2024. So, I do hope you have a wonderful festive time with your family and friends, and if the festive season is not for you, don't worry, it'll be over in the blink of an eye. So, for those of you who enjoy it, go and party as hard as you can, and for those for whom it's not the best time of year, you do what you need to do to feel good. For our Patreons, I'll be speaking to you each and every Sunday between now and the start of the new season, and for everyone, I wish you fantastic festiveness and a wonderful new year, and I'll speak to you all again on Friday the 5th of January 2024 for the beginning of Season 14. But until then, remember, when discussing the paranormal, always try and leave some of your disbelief at the door. And I'll speak to you next year on the dark paranormal. <laughs>